Welcome to the College Neuro Network, a podcast series part of Simply Neuroscience's The Synapse. My name is Sasha. And my name is Sarah, and we're your hosts for today. The College Neuro Network has discussions with undergraduate students studying neuroscience and neuroscience professors in order to gain insight into the neuroscience department and opportunities in the nation's top universities. Today's episode is focused on Columbia University, a private Ivy League research university located in New York City. Known for its interdisciplinary core curriculum, curious student body, and accessible opportunities and resources throughout the city, Columbia is ranked number three in national universities by the U.S. News and World Report. Today, joining us is Chinmayi Balusu, an undergrad at Columbia and founder and CEO of Simply Neuroscience. Welcome, Chinmayi. Thank you so much for joining us today to discuss your experiences at Columbia as a student studying neuroscience. Thank Great. you, everyone. Super excited to be here. So for our first question for you, we wanted to ask if you could just briefly introduce yourself and then talk a little bit about what sparked your interest in neuroscience. Absolutely. So as was mentioned before, I'm a rising sophomore at Columbia who is definitely interested in neuroscience. I came across my passion for learning about the brain relatively early on, I would say, maybe ending of middle school, early high school. I stumbled upon it, to be honest. It was at a science fair when I was looking at a brain model and playing around with it that I really realized how exciting it was to learn about neuroanatomy. And it kind of took off from there. There were a bunch of chance encounters along the way and opportunities coming across my radar that I just jumped upon. And it ended up just being incredibly insightful and enjoyable in the end. And now I've fully immersed myself in neuro. That's incredible to hear. We love asking this question because we always get such different answers from different people. Um, And actually, me and Sarah have come across a lot of people who actually don't get interested in neuroscience until college. So it's really cool to hear that you already had that interest before um, you went into college. And then for our next question for you, we wanted to ask what drew you to committing to Columbia specifically for your undergraduate studies? I would say that the fact that interdisciplinary is built into the very core, no pun intended, is incredibly appealing because when I was coming into college, between high school and and college, my evolution was very much from going from a very solid, straightforward neurobiology perspective to wanting to explore the connections of neuroscience with other fields, because neurobiology is great, but when you put it together with something else, it makes for a more meaningful understanding of what the brain does. And Considering that Columbia, one, not just has its amazing core curriculum set up where the science and humanities are blended in many aspects, and two, I mean, the Zuckerman Institute, and honestly, most of all neuro pioneering things on campus are very welcoming and open to younger students as well. And so I would say that the collaborative multidisciplinary lens that I saw on campus very much spoke to me and that I wanted to be at a place where there was cutting edge neuroscience research going on and it's definitely a big, big choice in why I chose Columbia. Yeah, that's great to hear. We talked to another Columbia student before this and she also said the same thing about the core and how interdisciplinary it was and that's what really drew her to, the, um, to Columbia and was the curriculum itself. Um, and then our next question for you is a little bit more specific and it might be a little difficult to answer since you might not be familiar with neuroscience departments of other universities. But our next question is what you think sets Columbia's neuroscience department and kind of its major um, apart from other institutions? Yeah, this is a great question. To be honest, the undergrad neuroscience and behavior major is actually an integration between the psychology and biology departments. So someone who's majoring in neuroscience and behavior 
will be taking approximately half of their classes in the biology department and half of them in the psychology department. So I mentioned this as a preface because there is no formal undergrad neuroscience department on campus, but rather it's, it's very much geared towards psychology in some ways, uh, which makes for a very interesting lens. Um, a lot of the psychology professors that I've interacted with through the Department of Psychology are both neuro and psychology inclined in many ways. And I would honestly say that the level of collaboration that I have seen is, is awesome, to simply put it. And it's something that I've seen only paralleled in private research institutions that aren't academic institutions as well, so such as private research centers that are distinctly or um, distantly related to a university. And one of the big things that we see with private universities is that since labs are so large and well-established on their own that there isn't much inter-laboratory communication. But to be honest, the lab that I'm involved in, the Alley Lab that is in the Department of Psychology, we're, we're pretty much blended with another lab called the Baldassano Lab on a day-to-day -day basis. In fact, we refer to our labs together as the Alessano Labs. So that just gives you a little bit of an idea of how labs don't necessarily need to be independent entities on their own, but rather the communication between different um, researchers and there's so many intergraduate student clubs and meetings going on that I see for the older mentors and such. It's I believe that the department is set up so that it can be independent when it wants to, but it can also be joint when it wants to. And that's something that is incredibly um, opening and welcoming for undergrads to be in the center of that. Yeah, great. That's incredible to hear, especially because neuroscience is already so interdisciplinary. So it makes sense that the structure of a major also mirrors that and that it's so collaborative and intertwined with so many other fields. Um, and also, there's a lot of colleges out there that also have a separate neuroscience and psychology department. So Columbia is really unique in that it really meshes together the two for one major. Um, and then our next question for you is more specific to the neuroscience major. And we wanted to ask you what your favorite class was um, from the neuroscience classes you've already taken. To be honest, I'm not even too far into my neuroscience journey. I mean, just this one past year, um, I took a class called Science of Psychology, which is one of the introductory level courses. And I would just say my professor, Professor Bennett Cheval, was an incredible lecturer, an incredible person to hear from. And I think that the way that introductory psychology is so open to people of all backgrounds, I mean, a lot of my classmates, of course, were in the psychology and neuroscience and behavior major tracks, but then also there were some people who were just there to learn about psychology in general. Some people, there were some pre-med students there who would take psychology as part of their requirements. A lot of economics majors too, which was really interesting. So there definitely is a blend of individuals that don't necessarily need to all come from the neuroscience discipline and it makes for lively class discussions. And later on, even in the sort of more advanced undergraduate seminars for neuro and behavior and psychology, I can name them on and on forever, but there are honestly such fascinating courses offered. Um, a couple off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of, there's Cognitive Neuroscience of Film, I believe. That's the name I'm thinking of correctly. Um, I believe that was taught by Professor Baldassano, who I mentioned before, but there's, I mean, even the title itself is so fascinating. I can't recall the description off the top of my head, 
But that's just one snapshot of how incredible they are. I mean, evolutionary psychology is discussed. Um, neurobiology related to infants and children is discussed. There's honestly something for every stage of life, every stage of brain development, and many intersections that are just intertwined into the advanced seminars and such too. So the basic levels are interesting themselves, but it's just exciting to see how much even more mind-blowing the advanced classes are going to be. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. I mean, I know from like a high school perspective, we don't get introduced into like neuroscience courses like that um, at all outside of like AP biology or like AP psychology. So that's really exciting to hear that there's like such niche topics like, for like classes in Columbia. And, right. um, and kind of you already talked about this, but you mentioned a couple professors. So we wanted to ask you if you had a favorite professor and if you could explain your experience with them and why. Oh my gosh, it's such a tough question. <laughs> oh, I've, I've never had a bad professor, I will say that. Um, all the professors are just great professors at a baseline, and you know, some are just stellar professors. Um, like I, I shouted out Professor Gunnett Cheval, who is my science of psychology teacher, our lecturer, and Professor Ali, who I work with, um, she's the PI of the Ali Lab, and I closely work with a graduate student named Monacy and Dr. Ali in the lab, they're amazing individuals. And Professor Baldassano, I've you know, interacted with the lab meetings and such, is also an amazing individual. I would say that every single professor in the psychology department, in the neuro department as a whole, just has something unique to add to the discussion. And I would, rec I, if, if possible, I would take every single one of the seminar courses that every single professor teaches, just because they're so, their work is so fascinating and there are wonderful humans outside of just the lab as well. Yeah, that's incredible to hear. I know, um, like we've talked to a couple of professors from other universities and it's so amazing to hear both perspectives of how much the students respect the professors, but also how much the professors respect their students. And we've heard so many times that professors really learn as much from their students as students learn from their professors. So that dynamic is super interesting and, um, the professors at Columbia obviously sound very fascinating. They'd be incredible people to work with. So that's, that's really cool. And then kind of our next question for you is speaking about professors, you wanted to ask how accessible professors are at Columbia if you wanted a research opportunity or if you wanted to ask for help. As for the help side, I would say both from the perspective of, let's say in your professor's class and you need some help in office hours and such, they're very accessible and especially for larger, a little bit larger scale lecture classes, for some of the intro classes, there might be more people, right? So even in those cases, I mean, the graduate students and teaching assistants, teaching fellows, and the professor all have office hours set up and are very welcoming. It's, it's not the kind of situation where a professor says they have office hours, but then they're never there. They will always be there and are always willing to accommodate students if they can't fit it into their schedule. Um, the professors are the type that will respond to late emails in a reasonable fashion, but they definitely do care about students. They will spend you know, extra time, go above and beyond when they need help before an exam or before a large project, something like that. Even on the cold contacting side, there are a multitude of professors who, when you reach out with a simple email, just saying, I have this question, I'm really curious to hear about how, what's your perspective on this since you personally experienced this as I came across in your background. They're very keen to get back usually. Of course, PIs are a bit busy, so there may be a slight delay, right? But it's never the type, I've never gotten the feeling that I've been ignored 
it's, of course, you know, it's, there are a lot of time constraints for um, older professionals, of course, with busy, busy commitments and such, but I've never felt ignored or abandoned. And it is always a welcoming environment. In the case that a professor, you know, reach out to them for a research opportunity, they're usually, they are multiple fall and spring symposiums and these kind of internship fairs of sorts. There are these research opportunity fairs as well. The people there are always very welcoming. Sometimes the professors themselves come out to greet the new uh, research assistants and interns. And even in the case where they're not available to offer, to offer you a position, it's, it's very polite and they do recommend that you always reach out again in the future. It's never kind of go away, shoo, shoo, but rather you're doing great things and keep up the good work. So I've honestly never really had a negative experience of sorts. Even if a professor is not really able to dedicate one-on-one -on -one time to you, they are always willing to share other resources or point you in a, in a good direction. So I could gush on and on forever, but it's been a very positive experience. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's super important to have a very welcoming faculty overall. Um, especially on the student side and when they're looking for opportunities or just want to ask for help. Um, it's really great to hear that they're always like open for it and um, even if they might not have enough time, it's very respectful um, towards the students. So, For sure. And the, I think even for incoming freshmen, it's, it's a very welcoming environment. Um, for a lot of universities, especially larger scale ones, there is kind of the perception that you need to be an advanced undergraduate student in order to get involved in these kind of lab and research opportunities. But I think Columbia's neuro especially is great in that they take on those beginner level students as well. I mean, for the students who come into college thinking neuroscience is really cool, but have no experience in it before, even those students can have, can reach out. And it, I think the big part is taking initiative, but if professors see that initiative, they will be sure to provide as much support as possible, even if you don't necessarily have the background in their niche. So it's great in that regard too, as in students of all backgrounds, experiences, starting points can get involved in something if they're interested in it. That is so great to hear because I know like for most students, that's kind of a worry, um, you know, if professors won't be available or not. So it's so great to hear that they're so accommodating at Columbia. Um, so our next question is, was there anything you found surprising or unexpected about being a student at Columbia? I would say, honestly, coming into Columbia, I, I was slightly prepared for being bombarded by a number of opportunities, obviously, because one, the institution and the university itself is so well connected with the broader community and the alumni network and just even research on campus being a powerhouse. Everything kind of comes together to form a cornucopia of different things going on that you can get involved in. But I, to be honest, was not prepared for the exact extent of which that would be. I mean, even after I got into my current commitments with research and extracurriculars and such, and I, and I feel absolutely happy, there's always kind of, there's something will come up each week and you're like, oh my gosh, like that would be really cool to also get interested in. So it's really easy to get pulled in a lot of different directions just because there's so many things that are incredibly exciting to see. And it's just a matter of really trying to bunker down on your current interests and think, I am going to explore this fully before I move on to the next one without jumping into a whole bunch of different places. 
So that's kind of what I didn't really expect coming into. <laughs> I guess I suspected it, but I didn't really expect the complete extent of how many doors would be open. Yeah. That's so exciting though. Like that's so cool to hear that there's so many opportunities available to students. Um, so kind of, we wanted to ask you how demanding is it to study neuroscience at Columbia? Like I know this changes a lot, but like in general, kind of what your day-to-day schedule as a neuroscience major looks like. Yeah. So I will be completely honest. Um, I don't actually officially declare my major until the end of sophomore year. And I definitely did come into campus thinking that I wanted to go down the neuroscience and behavior route, but this may sound cliche, but the core curriculum has actually kind of changed my mind a little bit. And I've been exploring a little bit outside the major as well, looking into things like public health and medical humanities, because obviously a lot of my, <laughs> a lot of my current work uh, with simply neuroscience and research and such is focusing on neuroscience. So as for the coursework side of it, um, just wanted to preface with that because I'm not officially a major, um, majoring in neuroscience and behavior yet. But back to the question, um, what does a day really look like? Some classes start at 8.40, might hear a collective groan there, but some classes start at 8.40. Of course, scheduling classes is super flexible and there's a lot of options available. Um, I actually had my science of psychology course at 8.40, which was an interesting experience, but usually my mornings would look something like 8 to 12, 12.30, 1 or so, I would be in class, uh, it could be science and psychology, literature, humanities, which is a core class. Second semester was frontiers of science um, and things like that. And then there would be some days there would be the evening was completely clear. And at that point, I would head uptown to the medical campus on 168th and Broadway, which is where I was involved in the Department of Cell Biology and Pathology, working with the lab uptown. And so I would spend my spend the rest of my evening there, come back and then have dinner with floor mates, sometimes have dinner with my roommate. And the evening around eight and nine is relatively late time. I guess since a lot of college schedules are a lot more free in the evenings, club meetings do tend to run late. But Columbia Synapse, which is one club that I'm involved in, would have its meetings around that time on Wednesdays, I believe. It feels so long ago since the pandemic started, but that would be something that would occupy the rest of my evening and then I'd come back. Sometimes my roommate and I would just put on some music and just do homework, study, catch up, things like that. Other days, it's, it's sort of I have class for a few hours and then I have another gap period of about three to four and then I have an evening class, especially for things like chemistry where there's, there's a larger lecture in the evening when people can make the evening classes as well. So in that gap period, I was pretty keen to go study at the good old famous Butler Library or even the more uh, interesting smaller scale ones like Avery and such. So it was a great time to catch up on work midday. Uh, oftentimes that would also be when I was catching up on SN things and responding to messages and emails, the good old SN, and occasionally meetings throughout the day. The great thing overall that I want to sum up with about college is that there is a lot of flexibility in how you want to make your schedule look like. So in high school, obviously, if I had any sort of extracurricular club meetings and all, it would be after the school day was over in the evening time. But in college, the great thing is that there are ways to organize your schedule around what's important to you. So if, if I have a constantly recurring meeting at 11 to 12 for an extracurricular, 
and that's that's important to me and I want to get involved in that, then I could schedule my classes so that they don't fall into that 11 to 12 category. So there are quite quite a number of options um, for scheduling and such. And every day is different, honestly. It's very easy to for me to summarize in this little bubble what an example day would look like, but I will be completely honest that no two days have ever looked the absolute same. I mean, there are chance encounters that you have, when I'm walking across College Walk, for instance, and I see a friend from University Writing and we stop and we want to go get some food or get a scone or something um, from Blue Java Cafe, there are a lot of chance encounters. And I think that's what's especially great about the Columbia campus is that it is, it is small to the point where it feels homely, but big enough to the point where it feels like you're in this great metropolitan city. So and that does also influence a lot of what the day-to-day -day is like. Um, some people on weekends and such, like to go explore the city, have dinner. I was pretty fond of going to Broadway shows with some of my close friends. Love Broadway musicals, <laughs> newfound interest. And so the city and the Columbia experience day to day is what you make out of it. That was a very long answer. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. I know like me personally, I'm really excited for that independence kind of to make your own schedule when you go to college. I'm sure a lot of um, high schoolers feel the same. So that's great to hear that you're so flexible usually day to day and you talked a little bit about your extracurriculars so we were wondering if you could talk a little bit more about the activities you participate in outside of academics absolutely so i'll completely be honest simply neuroscience does take a large chunk of my time but it's something that i absolutely love doing that is a very large time commitment for me but when it comes to on campus i would say i mentioned columbia synapse a little bit ago um, it's a nonprofit organization that is based around raising awareness and advocating for individuals with traumatic and acquired brain injury. So I'm involved in Synapse as one of the vice presidents of events. And so kind of the monthly things that are going on for the Columbia community and the broader brain injury community is something that I interact with a little bit. Um, we also have unfortunately canceled due to COVID, so it's been postponed. But one of the, we're actually in the works of planning the largest, if not if it's first or first or largest, can't remember, um, brain injury conference happening in the New York City area. So that's also been a very big experience and it's been lots of fun. A lot of my close friends do come from Synapse and it's, it's really interesting the kind of friend dynamics in these kind of clubs on campus because you often meet people and you often do even cooler things that are separate from the initial place where you met. So I mentioned this because a couple of friends from Synapse and I are now putting together an inter-IV, so within the colleges of the Ivy League, an inter-IV pre-medicine uh, research journal society. So where we're going to have, it's kind of like a journal club discussion, but times that by 10. It's going to be even more cool. So we're in the works of building that right now, which is a pretty exciting experience. So it started off with us working on Synapse and then expanded to this thing called IV Med now. So that's keeping us busy over the summer. Outside of that, I'll briefly touch upon a few other things. Um, I had a very short stint with Columbia Taekwondo. Taekwondo was something that I did in high school as well. Fortunately, had a hamstring injury and had to step down, <laughs> but it was very fun, and I do recommend getting involved in, you know, intramural sports or just casual sports on campus. Um, also involved in Columbia Science Review, which is based on spreading scientific literacy to the wider community. Um, I'm also a wellness ambassador with the Office of University Life and a part of Columbia Reflect, both of which are very much 
emphasizing wellness and mental health on campus because especially students can get so caught up in stress culture. You know, college is kind of, people are doing a million things and there's a million classes going on. So try to combat that through wellness and mental health outreach, basically. And I would say those are kind of the main things that I do there. I also have some sort of scattered things here and there. Uh, earlier in the year, I was getting involved with this group called Offbeat, which is, it's acapella for bad singers. <laughs> so the club, I think, kind of fizzled out a little bit, but it was an exciting opportunity. We had a couple of meetings. It was interesting. And there are a couple other scattering of clubs that I'm involved in here and there, like the Medical Student Association, um, Pre-Medical Society. And recently, I just signed up to join a club called CU Slam, which is based on slam and spoken word poetry. So that'll be interesting. Um, also part of the Hindu Students Organization on campus and met some pretty cool students there through cultural activities. Wow, what are the things I'm involved in? There are some, I haven't personally attended too many of the concerts or little gatherings, but there is this very niche musical group on campus called Postcrypt Coffee House that meets in the basement of St. Paul's Chapel every weekend for a small little musical venue. And I think it's something that is going on in the basement of St. Paul's Chapel on Friday and Saturday evenings, but it's pretty exciting. So I wanted to shout them out as well. <laughs> That's what I'm involved in though. That's amazing. It sounds like there's like really an activity for like everyone on campus. That there honestly so cool. is. <laughs> yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, so kind of moving on, uh, you talked a little bit about your research, like briefly, but um, we were wondering, like, kind of if you could elaborate more on your um, your research on campus and like what you did and how you obtained the opportunity. Of course. So I mentioned the uh, that I work with the Alley Lab and a lab uptown at the Irving Medical Center. So the both of these were honestly cold contacting. And later I had met individuals who are involved with the Alley Lab on campus as well at a research fair. And so I introduced myself again. I was like, hey, I was so-and-so who reached out. And then I think the name face recognition there was really helpful. They were like, oh, that's you. So I think that cold contacting is honestly a very big way that first years get those opportunities. And that's how I got mine too. And the Alley Lab, what I'm working on currently is I'm um, working with a graduate student on her research focusing on memory and attention and specifically fluctuations in attention and how that affects memory organization. So a little bit of cognitive neuroscience um, there. As for the other lab, I'm helping out with microscopy techniques and uh, they're specifically geared towards neuropathology, looking at um, neurodegeneration, specifically in motor diseases like Parkinson's disease and essential tremor. So I assist with their research as well. And it is, it is, there are large time commitments. I would say about maybe can range from about six to 10 hours a week for research positions. It wavers up and down though, depending on week to week workload. Um, it's also very much independent in some ways. Of course, for the uptown experience, um, when I was in the lab, it was, a, it was a wet lab setting. There was a microscope that I obviously had to use there in person. I could not take a microscope back with me to my dorm, but for the cognitive neuro experience, it's something that is also can be conducted remotely. I would run a lot of human participants through the study and interact with them. So that was a big part. I would actually go into lab and um, spend time with the human participants. And 
but it's also, you know, the transcribing and different parts of it on the more logistical side can also happen remotely. So there's kind of a mix of remote and in-person opportunities available, depending on what students are interested in. And of course, since it's now COVID, things have changed. Um, recently, a few months ago, I started getting involved with a traumatic brain injury related, concussion related um, research opportunity at the Stanford School of Medicine, which is about 30-ish minutes away from where I currently live. Of course, again, it's been remote, <laughs> which has been interesting. But this is not a study where I'm working with humans or rats or you know, mice or microscopy and taking pictures of slides. It's a very distinct opportunity. So also been a very, very enriching experience. And I would say that I think the common mis misconception that people have is that research is always in a wet lab where you're working with chemicals on a day-to-day. But I think college does break that a little bit because there are, you know, there's human participants. You can work with mice if you want to in a wet lab, but also you can work with just cells and slides and microscopy and work with, you know, just working on data sets and computational things like that. So it definitely does open your mind to a lot of different opportunities. And later this fall, I'm hoping to get involved with some clinical research, also remotely, but more related to participants, human participants and subjects that are enrolled in trials or data is collected when they enter uh, clinical settings like the hospitals, um, they're affiliated with Columbia and such. So research, I could go on and on forever. It is absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's great. It's great to hear that there's so many opportunities available, even in this pandemic, because um, I know that's important for a lot of students. So that's really great to hear. And our next question is, what is your favorite thing about studying neuroscience or anything? Because I know you haven't declared your major um, yet at Columbia. I would say that the ability to be curious about something and then go out and make it your own is something that is really unique. And that is something that most people come across the chance to do in college. And I think that Columbia especially fosters that it's, I don't even know where to start. It's just that for every type of class, there is a way to not just go with the flow, go with the norm, but you can make it your own. I'm thinking of my university, university writing class at the moment, which as the name would say, is say it sounds like just a boring old, you know, English class, university writing. What is there much about it? But for our sort of more open-ended research-based essay, I actually decided to write about clinical empathy and the intersection of theaters and medicine. And my classmates all chose very distinct topics as well. So it's, it's not necessarily that classes mold you into just talking about a certain topic, but rather they give you a platform from which you can expand your own interests into. I mean, in the intersection of medicine and the humanities is something that has interested me throughout high school, but I never really got the chance to explore it because it's not something that is usually introduced in high school. It's more of a college and even graduate school thing. And so being able to research that through a class and share about that with my classmates was, was incredible. It was a perfect opportunity. And I've definitely seen that in many classes following as well. And I'm going to give another example before I wrap this up. But in my literature humanities class, you may have heard of the book Dante's Inferno, which, yes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dante's Inferno is great. So Dante goes through the different rings of hell, right, guarded, uh, guided by 
our good old friend Virgil. Well, in our class for an essay, I wrote a pastiche which translated Dante's Inferno to modern times. So my Inferno was actually based in Butler Library on the Columbia campus. And I'll introduce you to quick legend on campus. There is who we like to call the bottle flipper. So there's this man who completely is covered head to toe in this athletic suit. And he, he stands about 20 feet away from a trash can on near college walks. So the main where you see trees on campus, on steps, he's on those steps a little bit. And he will stand there. And he's very patient and he's very polite too. Like if someone's blocking his path, he won't do anything. He'll just wait. He's very quiet. No one really knows who he is. But he'll stand there completely straight. He has a bottle between his feet and he will jump and flip the bottle up with his feet into the trash can that's like 20 feet away. Pretty legendary if you see it. There's a lot of videos of him on Kim. On, if you type the right things, you can find him. So he's kind of an, he's infamous in the community, obviously. And so Captain Bottle Flipper was my Virgil guide in my modern day rendition of Dante's Inferno. And let me just say that was, it was a wild way to write that pastiche. And I still think about it. It was so much fun writing. I mean, oh, I need to go back and read it again. But uh, there were so many stories. I mean, you were walking through the different levels of Butler and there was the agony from Dante's Inferno and all of that. So <laughs> I think it just goes to say that one, there are so many cool legends on campus. And two, you can really make it your own and take classes in what direction you want to. Obviously, we're not gonna write these kind of essays in chemistry, right? But for classes that have that kind of flexibility, especially the humanities and core classes, the world is honestly yours. <laughs> you can go any way you want to. Oh, that sounds so amazing. <laughs> so our next question for you is, um, we wanted to ask as of right now, what you think your plans are after you graduate Columbia and kind of where you think you'll be going in the future. Definitely not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I definitely do want to pursue graduate school. And at the point, I'm very much in a blend between academia and the clinical routes. I'm very passionate about medicine and also very passionate about research. And so I definitely do want to blend both of those together in the future. I hope to, my, also my third kind of ideal is also getting involved in science communication of some sorts um, and doing a lot more public speaking related to science communication and such. So that's something I also hope to loop in. It's a, it's a whole mess of everything that I wanna do combined and hopefully I can find an ideal career. I would say that as of right now, my goal is to strive towards pursuing an MD or an MD PhD degree and maybe in the neuro and related fields. So we shall see how that goes in the next three years. <laughs> yeah, I think that's so exciting not to really know where you want to go yet. And it gives you room to explore and kind of um, see what you like. And um, you're not like on a solid path yet, which I think Absolutely. is really exciting. Um, and then our next question for you is kind of has to do with advice. So we wanted to ask if you had any tips for high school students who were interested in neuroscience and maybe what they could do now um, to really grow their interest or maybe to figure out if this is something they'd want to pursue in college. Right. So I would say that if you are a true neuroscience or brain enthusiast, as I like to say, and if you want to call yourself that truly, you have to be willing to explore because neuroscience at its very core is about exploring. There is no kind of 
There is a formal definition for neuroscience, of course, but when you just sit down and try to define neuroscience, it's impossible to just have a very sort of small definition for it that doesn't touch upon the expansiveness of the field. So the expansiveness, of course, is what you should explore. And in high school, of course, it is difficult because neuroscience is not something that is introduced very early on. There are opportunities like the Brain Bee and some very specialized summer internships, but again, they're not accessible to everyone. So there are many ways online to go about pursuing neuroscience, right? Through online courses and just reading pretty interesting books, memoirs and kind of a day in the life books. YouTube videos are also really big, right? Virtual shadowing has become a thing now. So I would say keep your mind open and really do explore and make sure that a college's neuroscience fit is something that will embrace all of your interests. I mean, some colleges will say that they're involved in neuroscience, but not really have too many resources dedicated. Columbia's case is interesting because it's half bio and half psychology. I think that adds to the value of neuroscience because it doesn't have like a centralized neuro department, but some people don't think that is the way. They think that the opposite is better. So it's important to find what kind of dynamic works best for you. And of course, speaking to students, older students, and how their experiences have been is really valuable. Obviously, you know, College Neuro Network, you can hear about some pretty interesting stories from undergrads and professors. So I think it comes down to be ready to explore the field, be ready to explore different colleges out there, and actually put time into, and invest time into learning the details of it, because you don't want to regret a decision later on. You want it to click. Yeah, I definitely agree. And you talked a little bit about memoirs, and I just read, I finished reading When Breath Becomes Air, which I know... I, Serene recommended it to me, but she also said you really enjoyed the book as well. It's a wonderful book. Yes. <laughs> it was a it's, great book. It's, it's something that sticks with me. I, I just finished this book, um, two books actually. Um, I have this book right here. This is not a memoir or a medically related book per se, but it's called Frankenstein in Baghdad. And it does have some pretty interesting discussions on anatomy. Uh, another book that I would also recommend, I just finished as well is called Body of Work by Dr. Christine Montrose. And she, it is a chronicle of her experiences as a medical student. And in, you know, medical student first year, first couple years of med school, you're working very closely with cadavers and discussions about life and death and mortality are something that she touches upon so eloquently and something that has stuck with me for the past couple of days. So I also do really recommend checking that out for insight into medicine and just a discussion of anatomy if that's something that interests you. Yeah, for sure. I definitely enjoy reading these types of books. And I think reading these types of books are so powerful, especially if you're younger and you're, you want to see if you're interested and want to get the insight that you were talking about. Um, so personally, I'll definitely check out those books um, and get a look at those as well. And then kind of adding on to like our advice question, we wanted to ask if you had any advice for students that might be wanting to apply to Columbia specifically, um, and maybe just in the college application process overall. I would say that do make sure that you're applying to Columbia because you love it. I mean, some people just kind of apply because it's a top private research institution and all of that without really seeing if there is an existing program here that fits their specific interests. I mean, obviously Columbia is a powerhouse for economics and political science, and that's kind of a given among many of the top colleges that Columbia is the star in these fields. Um, neuroscience, it's also getting quite a solid name in right now. So definitely do 
look into the ABCs of what goes into the program. And I think at the end of the day, you want to picture yourself as a Columbia College student and envision what your day would be like. I remember when I was applying that I really sat down and tried to picture without looking at kind of these stories that I'd heard from YouTube, you know, day in the life of, I try to sit down and just imagine what I wanted my life to be like. And looking back now, I noticed that a lot of my life currently does reflect what I envisioned. Um, the chance to go curl up with a good book in Blue Java or something like that. The chance to go explore so-and-so restaurant. So do, do put yourself into the shoes of a Columbia student. And I don't mean that in a cliche way, but rather it can inform the way you think about what you want out of the Columbia experience really well. And the Columbia experience itself is something that you can't really pinpoint exactly what it is. I mean, been through a year of it, and I don't think I'll ever understand the full extent of what it is because there is just so much. And I think it's important to be humble at the end of the day. Um, you know, college is a big, big thing, and you want to know what you want to get out of it because you don't want to get lost in it. We're just tiny little humans. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's really important to hear, especially like as high school students that are in the process of doing college applications, it's really easy to like get stuck in like this idea of prestige or maybe just like applying to a college because of its name or something like that. Um, but I think that is really important to kind of imagine yourself and how you'd fit in that community um, because it's going to be where you're going to be spending the next four years of your life. And so it is a very important decision. Absolutely. And that wraps up our questions for you. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us for the College Neuro Network. Your responses were so insightful and will definitely help high school students listening who are researching colleges and interested in majoring or minoring in neuroscience. So thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. This is wonderful to be able to share. Mm -hmm.